Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Today our topic is on the resolution, the New Year's resolution. So 2022 is over and 2023 is here to stay, like it or not. But what's in a new year? Is there something so magical on one particular day of the year that really alters the course of life? And why do we always wait until the end of an old year to start doing things we want to do or need to do until the next year? And these are just some of the questions I ponder each year, wondering why I have made such a big deal out of just one day to the next. Only reason I know of is I was conditioned and trained to react that way to this particular day each year. Because that is, after all, what is expected and, quote, normal. After all, everyone does it. And once again, we party from one year into the next to essentially forget and pack up the past. But why are we dumping the past, putting it away in a closet or dumpster to move on? Why are we dumping what has happened, for better or for worse, on one particular day? Now, in most cases, it is not good to keep looking in the rearview mirror and holding on to the past. However, we can't forget about what we learned, the things to do or not to do, and what about all that God has done for each of us this past year and however many years we have been alive. Again, just like Christmas and Easter, we simply cannot just pack it up and move on. That is not the life of a God-honoring believer. Or is that what we have done? and are doing with God. Could it be this is why we keep making the same mistakes year after year, decade after decade, and century after century? Are we just turning our backs and burying our heads in the sand of the past 365 days and beyond, and pretending everything is going to be just peachy this year because of a calendar change? I know, if I could only be upbeat just once, and of all the times the first week of the new year, but I'm not and not at all apologetic for this, because these few minutes we have together is not designed to be upbeat or downbeat. It is just to get us to snap to and get sober about the life God calls us to live. We are called to be sober-minded, continuing to face our faith and challenge our faith every day and every year we are alive. It is also to help everyone who listens not to stare into the world's ideas and ways, but God's ways, desires, and expectations for us. We see this clearly in 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For many of us, this is also a list-making season of all the things we are to start, stop, fix, finish, and change over the next 365 days into 2024, of which most of us will never follow through on. Even worse, most of our lists as believers will not really have any focus on living our lives out more authentically and intentionally for the Lord. They are most often self-focused and self-driven desires and accomplishments that do not truly forge a deeper knowledge and relationship with our God. So what must we really do if we are going to mark some special time of our lives as a time for change? Don't make lists. Don't have a checkbox of accomplishments. 
I know one individual who is so intent on keeping his lists and checking the boxes of good intentions, he writes them on waterproof paper. And why not? At least you can keep one list taped to the shower wall and check off that you are officially clean for the day. Interestingly enough, that box can't be checked for long because you are going to be dirty again in 12 or 24 hours or less and need once again to check that box. But why keep checking boxes when it is not an accomplishment? In this analogy, keeping clean is a part of life, a necessity for good health and for the benefit of others for sure. And isn't that exactly how we are to be with God? Don't check the box off that you read the Bible this morning and prayed and, and, and. If our relationship with God is in any way mentally or emotionally a checkbox, that is not a relationship. Again, just like I'm sure you don't, in fact, check a box for taking a shower or driving to work or going to the grocery store or drinking a glass of water because you're thirsty. You do those things because you either have to or desire to or both. And that is exactly how we are to grow and have our relationship with God. In addition, don't decide that you are going to do this, that, and the other by this time or that time. Have you not learned, especially from the last few years, that our ideas and plans are often thwarted in ways we never dreamed they could be and on a global scale? A cliche, I know, but nonetheless a good one. If you want to make God laugh, tell him you have a plan. And that is 100% true. But that is where many of us are this very day with our lists of resolutions, telling God what we are going to do today, tomorrow, and this year, and even more devastating, telling ourselves this year is going to be great. And just what does God's Word have to say about us planning our future? Let's look at a few really solid examples from Scripture that need to be the catalyst for moving into 2023 if we are going to have any success at all in this new year. Let's take a look at James 4:13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Let's take a look at Proverbs 16:3. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And continuing into Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. We then need to ask ourselves, did I even take my resolution checklist to God? Did I even pray and ask God if the things I put down on my list for the new year or anything he even wanted me to work on? Do I even know what I really need to work on? Or am I really planning to work on things that I deemed are important in my own mind and in my own life? We see a great example of this in Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And still another compelling example from Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Let's look at two more verses. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. 
By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Isn't that inspiring? Doesn't this make you want to take your New Year's resolutions to the Lord to look over and allow Him to speak into what He knows you need, not what you think you need or want? Just so you know, I am very guilty of all of this. Not being of the world is a really hard thing not to do. I truly do crave honoring God to the fullest extent and only living in the world, not of it. But I am gullible and think that I am strong enough to spiritually handle only pieces of what the world has to offer and discard what is not so good. Well, that got me in trouble all of 2022, all of 2002, all of 1992, and all of 1982, and I don't need to go back any further to remind myself of how old and exceptionally stubborn I am. And with over four decades, I am certain I have still not learned my lesson on this aspect of life. Please understand this. Just because I am willing and able to present the hard questions to you doesn't mean I have overcome failing to the temptations myself. But don't live your life based on what others choose not to do. Remember, we have to answer to God for our own actions, not anyone else's. And if any of this is getting under your skin and you're not liking what you are hearing so far, excellent. That means it's working and you are processing the truth and God is prodding you to look intently at to why you feel the way you do, better known as conviction. If, on the other hand, you are arrogant enough to be checking the boxes off in your mind that you already have all this down pat, you need to allow the Lord to convict you in this place of your life because we all stink at doing any of this and any of it well. It is also important to mention that I do not teach God's word to get brownie points from God or have anyone love me for it. I teach and counsel and produce these messages because it is what I love to do and because it is what I believe God desires most of me. Bluntly, I am indifferent if you like or dislike what I have to present from God's word because I am not the one you are to be listening to. I am only regurgitating what God has fed me and giving my best understanding of what I believe He expects of me, and in turn, you are then to take all of that back to God and test every word that comes out of my mouth. That said, the more I seek God and do what He wants me to do in an attempt to grow deeper in my relationship with Him, the Lord very lovingly allows numerous struggles in my life to help me grow even more in order that I may gain greater strength to stand against Satan, who does everything in his power to undermine my joy and freedom in the Lord, like teaching God's word. So it is that we are engaged in the war of sin. We were last year and we will be this year. Yet as a believer, we will not be defeated and not given anything we cannot handle. And isn't that a very comforting knowledge and promise to have as we enter this new year? Now we need to take a good look at what exactly it is that God wants of us this new year, and for that matter, every day of the rest of our lives. And here's a great picture of that from the ever-so-famous Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now here's the kicker on this passage. It is important to note that we often unintentionally, and hopefully unintentionally, use this passage only for the good things that God has planned for us. We often use this when someone is down and out to make them feel better, and how we will try to live this year out. But that is not what this passage is intended for. 
It is not at all a one-sided passage from God that will make it all better. Let's look at this passage in detail. Notice it says, for I, I who, God, know the plans I, who again, God, have for you, me, God, to you, not you to me, declares the Lord. Who declares it? God. Plans for welfare. And let's take a look at the definition of welfare. It says, aid in the form of necessities for those in need. The improvement of a person or group. What an awesome definition. Let's go on. Not for evil. And let's look at the definition of evil. You'll get nothing morally reprehensible, sinful, or wicked from me, God. But you might not at all like what you get from me, God. From me, God, to you. A future which only I know. You don't know it. And a hope of which I am the one and only hope you can hope in. And make sure when you use this on someone in the future, this passage of Jeremiah 29, 11, use this passage accurately. This is God's will for our lives, not our will and our idea for our lives or someone else's life to falsely comfort them or feed them the wretched line of things will get better. It will be okay. You'll be back in full swing in no time. I'll repeat one more time, since it is God who knows the plans, and only God who knows, these plans aren't necessarily the plans that will thrill us at all. In fact, they could be plans that could be potentially quite painful for us, but God knows it will be the best pain we ever suffer because in the end it will be better than we could ever imagine. I can personally attest to that amazing goodness from God through excruciating mental and physical pain in 2001 when I began to have seizures out of the blue. God rocked my already incredible, heartbroken, painful world with seizures. Not long after my seizures started with no definitive diagnosis, God allowed another monumental global catastrophe in my life, 9-11, and witnessing American Airlines Flight 77 fly into the Pentagon. That day, God allowed me to have multiple seizures, as if that day was not cosmic enough for me. Yet it was exactly what I needed to carry for two and a half more years until I was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor. But God didn't allow those two and a half years to be peaceful at all. And God continued to show himself to me in the turmoil as if I were Paul on the road to Damascus. I had a number of people telling me they would pray that God would just take the tumor away, and by the time I went to the hospital, the doctors wouldn't be able to see anything. Well, that was silly, considering I don't have a brain in my head, and my wife had pointed that out multiple times. And furthermore, why would you consider trying to make someone feel falsely better? Because we, our selfish desires, don't want to see someone suffer. But what if it is exactly what God needs to be doing in our life. How devastating if God had truly just taken that tumor and 11 hours of surgery and months of recovery away from me, because all of that is what I needed from God, and that is everything it took, because God knew I needed my head examined. Jeremiah 29:11 lived strong. For I know the plans I have for you, West, declared the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God knew I was clueless, rebellious, angry, bitter, wayward. I only knew what I wanted, and that was to get out of all the pain as fast as possible. My 2002 resolution was to do better, work out more, eat better, relax, read the Bible, pray more, 
all the same garbage I had attempted to resolve every year prior at midnight. But God, on the other hand, obviously did have a clue and what he was doing with me. I believe to my core, however, that I was nothing but a pawn, a toy in God's game of life, and he had it out for me, and I hated him, yet I so loved him. But in the end, I just wanted to be dead. I didn't care anymore. It was all too much. God must certainly hate me. Why, God, was my cry. Why do you hate me so much? Please let me die or make it just go away. Yet in all of this, and oh so much more, God knew exactly what his plans were for me and knew exactly what I needed to open my eyes and to see my Savior fully, fully for his promise, his knowledge, the welfare he poured out and keeps pouring out in me, and not one speck of evil, wrong, mistake, ever left God's hand into my life. I see the years since my recovery from brain surgery in 2005 much more clearly now. Notice I said much more clearly, not I figured it out. I have not. But this is what I get to trust in now and every year forward. For I know the plans I have for you, Wes, declared the Lord for me, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And now I know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And whatever I do, I must work heartily as for the Lord and not for others. So when I faithfully commit my work to the Lord, my plans will be established. So whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I will seek and do it all to the honor and glory of God. And that is my prayer of resolution for every day. And when I am obedient and seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, all, absolutely all the other things from Jeremiah 29, 11 will fall flawlessly, perfectly, amazingly into place. And long before 2023 is over, and perhaps even today. And that is my prayer for you this year. It's not the good stuff, the easy stuff, the me stuff. It is God's plan for you. Let's pray. O Lord our God, when we, in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds your hands have made, we see the stars, we hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout the universe displayed. And when we think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, we can barely comprehend that on the cross, our burden so gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away our sin. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take us home, what joy will fill our hearts. Then we will bow in humble adoration, and then we will indeed proclaim, My God, how great Thou art! He has the plan for you. And now we ask all of this with immense gratitude in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ.